like sucking, but I ain't gay. Legit bad podcast. Fuck those honkies. Welcome back to Legit Bat. We're back again. Uh, we did miss a show this week, I believe, but that's fine. Ben couldn't make it, so we rescheduled, and it'll be done tomorrow, and everything will be happy, and everyone will love it, I'm sure. Uh, oh, I was going to say something. Oh, new sponsor coming up. We have not solidified that yet, so I will not mention them yet. But it's pet, uh, Pure Pet Wellness CBD products. Oh, I just mentioned it. Shit. <laughs> No, they're, they're awesome. They sent us a bunch of free samples, so I'll, I'll get more into that as soon as we uh, hear back from them with the, that whole deal. But it, it seems pretty cool. My pets love it, and I love it because I tried some of it. We put some CBD oil in the pet's water, and they couldn't stop drinking it. We thought they would just drink like normal animals, and they did not. They drank all of the whole bowl like yeah. to their dome. And it was cool because they were very, very relaxed afterwards. It was great. It doesn't have psychoactive effects, so it's not a big deal. It just relaxes them. It made so, them more manageable. I have a I have a pit bull who's about four years old, and like about two months ago, she just started acting weird. Like all of a sudden, she like practically fell over while she was walking, which was strange as hell for a dog. So I rushed my dog to the emergency vet, and the fucking vet tries to tell me that my dog ate my weed, and I'm like, "Look, I've never been so insulted in my fucking life. Number one, <laughs> I don't lose weed, okay." I know exactly where every bit of it is. So no, my dog did not eat any fucking weed. And I'm offended that you took one look at me and just assumed that I was fucking high, even though I was high <laughs> as fuck. Right. But that doesn't mean my dog's high. Well, I was well, so offended. Well, this happened to us, though. It cost me Our dog did the same thing. Oh, fucking... I'm sorry. We didn't <laughs> like, take our dog like, to the vet. As soon but as I realized what thing? was happening, I was like, give me my fucking dog. I'm <laughs> out of here. Well, hold on a second. What, what, is that how that works when they just eat it without like any of the heat no that makes i was gonna no. say okay Doesn't so it wouldn't have worked anyway what a fucking right. idiot right that's it that's exactly it and i didn't feel like having a meltdown in the fucking vet's office so yeah i, was like, I mean i was you like were high i was like give me my dog i was i was pissed i was pissed because like i felt stereotyped <laughs> i i would have uh name dropped no. yourself and been like you know i was a cop right like i don't do that shit no but i do do said, that shit you should have said, you know, I was a cop, right? I don't fucking lose my weed. <laughs> <laughs> it's in evidence, obviously. It's like on Super Troopers. We don't smoke it. Oh, oh so, so uh, I'm, I'm Joe, by the way. Jen's here. Ben is also here. Uh, we Our guest tonight is Corey Hughes. And Corey, I'm sorry I cut you off. What's up? Yeah, so something's been weighing heavily on my mind lately. And I, uh, I need you to settle this for me. Some people actually don't believe that Jason X is the best of the Friday the 13th series, but it most certainly is. Um, what is your take on it? Because I think none of the other com compare to Jason in space. Give me a fucking uh, break. You're going to hate me so much because I don't think I've ever seen any of those. I was very sheltered. Hey, I'm, I'm sorry. Gonna... Am I booked on the right show? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to second that with I have seen Ah Jason and Ah Freddy 
And that is the gayest shit. So no, I don't have any opinion on what is the best gay shit. No, tell us about how gay the other ones are and why X is the best, though, because I don't know. Jason in space, bro. Come on. Horror movies in space. I think that's the new frontier because I'm over um, superhero movies. So I've been doing this show with X Cube 420, Showtime with the Cube, where we review movies. And let me tell you, Movies suck these days. They're in a sad, this is a sad state of affairs. It's horrible. I agree. Yeah, uh, I would 100% agree. We've actually been rewatching old stuff. Right. Uh, I had never seen Star Wars either. Go ahead, send me all the emails. Uh, we watched all of them, well, all the, the canon, all, you know, one through nine or whatever with my kid. And one through three, one, two, and three. Like episodes four, five, and six. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Right. So I'm older than Joe by seven years. So I was like, we're watching these in order, motherfucker. We are going four, five, six first, then one, two, three, and then whatever seven, eight, nine were. Yeah. And then we started watching The Mandalorian. Well, his kiddo wanted to watch him really bad. I was like, I, I, was I gotta cool. catch up on all this this hype I've heard my whole life. And I watched it and was like, okay. Like the last one will always be Return of the Jedi in my mind. That's it. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, it was a different era back then. They never, the world had never seen anything like it, you know. Right. So. Well, okay. So the the funny part is that Joe and I were young, and post the first three Star Wars, three meaning four, five, and six, obviously. And during the nineties, it was always, oh man, they they made four, five, and six. They've got to be making a one, two, and three at some point. Joe and I were like, what is Star Wars? And so <laughs> we had always kind of wanted to watch them. But we weren't allowed to. And then when they came out with one, two, and three, all the merch hit the stores. It was Darth Maul fucking everything. And I remember walking through the stores going, man, that looks really fucking cool. I'm going to watch those when I'm older. Okay. So I had opinions from a lot of people. They're like, no, you need to start with four. Other people were like, well, since it all came out, you can start it with chronological and go with one. I tried both. Oh, my God. I have never made it through one Star Wars. I, on a scale of one to even, I can't. Like well, it, so the funny thing is that I, I already knew. I mean, growing up with that friends that have watched it a million fucking times and are total dorks about it, I know the characters and the general plot line mm-hmm. without ever having watched a single one. So when we actually watched it, I kind of knew which character was which and kind of what happened. But as I'm watching it, I'm like, this is not near as engaging as everyone made it sound, right. especially the first journey. I mean, that's I know it that, it's easy it, to. But like Corey said, I get it. Like back then, people had never seen that kind of shit. And that was amazing back then. But we're living in now and I'm watching them now. And I'm like, eh, okay, I get it. They're fine. (laughs) Well, it's like it's the same thing. I actually just had this conversation at work today. I had a guy from another shop come in and he's like, hey, you're a Harry Potter fan, right? And I'm like, nope, can't fucking stand him. And he goes, Oh, that didn't sound like some. I didn't expect. I didn't take you for somebody that wouldn't like him. And I'm like, he's like, you're you're a huge fucking nerd, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's exactly what he said. Is I go. I bet you smoke pot. I said. I said. Here's the thing. I said. I'm also not a fan of Star Wars, which is that. You know why we're. I can't stand either one of those franchises, and I don't begrudge anybody who does because I love Lord of the Rings. I'm like it's same, same, but different yet same. I said. I guess the reason why I like Lord of the Rings is that it's basically playing an Elder Scrolls game as a movie in front of you. And he goes, oh, I never thought about that. He goes, okay, yeah, I could see that. I still didn't peg you for somebody that wouldn't like uh, Harry Potter, though. And I'm all, the whole idea of, like, actually riding a broomstick with, like, a wand, 
Yeah, I just couldn't do that. Okay, so the movies, I never saw, I never read the books, obviously, because it was Satan's work and we couldn't do that. But I did watch the, uh, the, like, the first couple movies, maybe, and they were good, like, they're entertaining, but I don't get why people nerd out on them. It was like, okay, it's some dorky-ass gay kid, apparently, in my opinion, (laughs) that goes to a witch school that doesn't exist. That's amazing. Meanwhile, we've been dorking out for, like, five minutes, so... On Zelda. I uh, wanted, what have you been dorking out on? Zelda. Zelda. The new yeah, one. Yeah, the new so, one came out. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, let me uh, comment a couple things. So first off, on The Lord of the Rings, um, Amazon just announced that they are building uh, a AAA top-of-the-line uh, MMORPG of Lord of the Rings. Oh, fuck. That yes. got mentioned today. It's, I'm in. Um, and it's going to be built by the team that's that did New World. And so I've been playing the shit out of New World. Like I checked, I've been I've been averaging like 30 hours a week. Nice. And, uh, yeah. You should get and, paid uh, for that shit. It's I like should. Right? Well, well, that brings me to my new gaming channel that I have because I've been streaming my games because at this point for me to not monetize every penny of my fucking day is ridiculous. Right. So <laughs> um, I stream. Actually, I was streaming to Rumble, but now I'm going to exclusively stream to kick.com, which is the new competition to Twitch because Twitch got greedy oh, and okay. started taking everyone's fucking money. That's what I heard. And so kick is doing 95 percent cuts uh, with Ooh. their streamers. Yeah. Oh, so um, once you get affiliated, you actually get correct. 95% of, of the viewership and proceeds and stuff. Because yeah, I heard that Twitch does like pennies. Correct. It's like 50. Yeah, it's 50-50 now when it was like 70, 30 before. But I also launched another channel on Kick where I am doing live daily research uh, leading up to my completion of my book coming up. And so uh, I'm re- I really like this platform, kick.com. Uh, you can find my stuff at kick.com slash Corey Hughes. And basically, uh, in preparation for my chapters, I have to fucking go back and reread research that I did years ago. Right. And so I'm doing that live on the air for everyone to follow along with on a, on a daily basis. And it's been pretty fucking cool. It's been nice. pretty cool. And no one's ever done anything like it before, because for the most part, you got to be a hardcore fucking history nerd to sit through some of this shit. A lot of it's dry and just sorting through various documents that to the average person who wants to know who killed Kennedy don't seem to have any fucking connection. But to someone like me, it's like the most fascinating stuff in the world. So, well, yeah. And th- those same people, though, that are, that'll say who killed Kennedy, I really want to know. And then you tell them and they're like sources okay we'll sit through this 36 hour uh, lecture i have to find out because that's what you got to do and yes, that's what is, does. that is what you have to do like uh my sh- the shortest possible summary of the assassination i did in a seven hour video yeah um, jesus and, and now We've had that with... conversation with a couple of people and i'm like you can't just point to someone it, it doesn't work like that i said that thing is so it is such a spaghetti ball I go, you cannot just point to one person and be like, this is who I think or this is who I know did it. Because this next question, whether it be sources or, or well, we're, wasn't the official report this? It's like, yeah, that's the whole thing. You can't just point at somebody. You have to know the backstory. And that is really fucked up. Yeah. And it takes for goddamn ever. Like, yeah, um, uh, I have two chapters left in the book. Um, and then I probably have a month of, you know, rereading and editing, um, but then it'll be done. So I'm looking at like a July release, hopefully fucking praying. And so, um, but in just going over the material for the next chapter I'm doing, which is on a guy named Carrie Thornley, um, I've already done like six 
broadcasts like 90 minutes to two hours each. And I'm not even halfway done with the Carrie Thornley files. And so it'll take me another like two weeks of like 90 minute to two hour readings daily to get through Damn. it. And then I got to move on to the next, the last chapter. But see, once I get finished with that last chapter, it'll free me up because then I can go back to any point in the assassination and start reviewing these documents again for people to learn. But it's deep stuff. Like I only get a dozen people watching or so, and half of them are probably like playing video games in the background. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, <laughs> uh, but that's totally fine. You know what I mean? Like uh, this is like what I love to do. And Just subconsciously anything, like, get it into their brain right that's fine with me that's fine with me but uh at the end of the day i figure if i do this for the next year or two i will basically have thousands of hours of explanations of the documents that people can reference and no one's ever yeah. done that because the people who read the fuck the kennedy researchers out there are like the dumbest people that have ever walked planet earth um they should be banned from ever publishing any more books on their nonsense um i fucking hate them like they're the worst people on earth. <laughs> well, so that's a, uh, I didn't mention this at the top, but yeah, uh, buymeacoffee.com slash JFK book. You can pre-order this motherfucker and right. it is thick, probably dry. But if you're, if you're into the Kennedy thing, this is what, this is what you're looking for. This is the definitive book. It's called a warning from history. And so July re release, like you said, uh, but you can go pre-order at that site and I'll put it in the show notes. But right. I, I, I did buy you a coffee earlier. I, I thought I was buying a pre-order, but I didn't know what I was doing on that fucking site. So I bought you a coffee instead. So I'll, I'll okay. pre-order the book. Later. Coffee will read later. <laughs> yes. Is this the book that you said got you on a dark path where you were the occult thing? Yeah. Okay. Looking at occult stuff and it was pretty dark and you were in a weird place for a minute. Yeah, but I'm not putting any of that shit in this book. Oh. At all. No, this is hard, cold facts. This None of this like, voodoo nonsense. No voodoo in this one. This is straight fucking from the documents. Like people who love a spy thriller will love this because it goes so deep into tradecraft and spycraft. Like the whole fucking story of the assassination that people know is a fiction that was literally created in a CIA laboratory in fucking New Orleans. Um all of the incidents, like, and you can put together dozens of incidents involving Lee Harvey Oswald, involving David Ferry, involving Clay Shaw, involving all these people leading up to the assassination and look at it in the totality of that's the assassination story, more than just what happened on November 22nd. Well, that's the easy one to believe. That's why it's the history narrative, because it makes sense or at least makes sense on the surface, right? Like nothing about the assassination is true. Like Oswald didn't work at the book depository. Okay, like everyone thinks that Oswald worked at the book depository and hence he shot the president. But the problem, one of the biggest fucking problems I have with Kennedy researchers is they take shit for granted. Um, they take this fictional story that we've been sold as history and they assume certain things are true. Like they assume that Lee Harvey Oswald worked at the book depository. Right. Like, why would anybody ever fucking lie about that? It's like it's like foundational. Right. Well, even Oswald, when they asked him if he was in that building after he was arrested, what did he say? He said the best spy answer I could ever imagine. They asked him if he was in that building and he said, naturally, if I work in that building. He never said he was in that building because I can tell you with certainty he wasn't. Uh, he was being impersonated all over Dallas and New Orleans uh, and Miami and everywhere in between uh, for over two and a half years before the assassination occurred 
Um, and even before that, I don't want to get into it tonight, but there was a CIA program called the Oswald Project that basically involved um, getting a spy into the Soviet Union, which ultimately culminated in his def false defection, right? Uh, he was probably part of a program called AE Balcony, which was exactly a program designed exactly to do what he did, go to a, a Russian speaking country um, where he would just be a point of contact there, uh, which the CIA documents uh, were released, I think, in 2018. So still nobody's put together the pieces on that. Uh, so much there's so much good uh, information out there on uh, what really happened with Kennedy. And it just goes completely fucking ignored. Because it doesn't fit like preconceived notions that like, you know, the CIA killed Kennedy, right? What, but people don't even understand what that means. Well, so. And you mentioned, too, that it wasn't just him that had the doubles. It was numerous people oh, purposely yes. being sent over at different firing ranges and at right. these different places in pairs. And you went and looked at it and you could figure out who it was at what times that were the doubles versus mm -hmm. this, that and the other, just so that people that the testimony was no we saw them here and it's like no you saw the doubles there they're actually over here right now that was all part of their plan how many people do you just off the top of your head how many individuals do you think that they had doubles for in the plot well it's kind of um different circumstances right so they were impersonating why why was why were there oswald doubles um leading up to the assassination well obviously because they were setting him up. They were mm. creating this legend of a communist, communist dissident persona, right? Right. Um, there are some great examples in the garrison files. And I went over this stuff this week when I did my broadcasts. Um, there are so many incidents that are attributed to Oswald that clearly were not Oswald. Uh, one in particular involves um, Carrie Thornley, who was one of two men who was impersonating, who were impersonating Oswald uh, for a very long period of time. And so Carrie Thornley, uh, and I'll get into his backstory here momentarily, but this incident, he shows up in Baton Rouge to um, an apartment that an older woman is renting out. And he goes there and this is at a time when Oswald is confirmed living in Dallas. He doesn't drive. There's no even uh, allegation that he ever went to Baton Rouge, right? So it's and plus it's been excluded from the official story. So we know it's not Oswald. It was one of the impersonators of Oswald, uh, in particular Carrie Thornley. So, but he goes to this apartment, and then the information that he the woman thinks it's kind of strange because he keeps offering all this information about himself, talking about how he lived in the Soviet Union and he thinks uh, he hates Kennedy and he loves communism and he shoots rifles and you know he they, they he basically tells the whole life story and she's like why the hell is this guy telling me this stuff. And then after the assassination, when she sees Lee Harvey Oswald on TV and they say he was a communist and start telling his life story, the life story they're telling on TV matches what Carrie Thornley told her when he went and looked at the apartment. So obviously she calls into the FBI and then tells her story. Um, we have, God, I'd say no less than 100 incidents like this where someone who is later identified as Lee Harvey Oswald goes and does something, interacts with somebody and just tells his life story, how he likes communism, hates Kennedy and all this stuff. Right. So they clearly spent fuck, from the summer starting around August, uh, beginning of August through November, early to mid November. Um, you have this like onslaught of fucking Oswald sightings all over the goddamn country where he's talking about communism and how he has a Russian wife and all this stuff. And so ultimately, let me tell you my my theory on Oswald. Uh, I believe that Oswald was working with naval intelligence or the CIA 
um, or both, because that it's not mutually exclusive. Ultimately, he was a Marine, and if his initial recruiting had to have been done through naval intelligence, because Marines fall under the Navy. Well, I was just uh, that was another question that I had too, because I heard this recently on Mysterious Universe. They were talking about a gentleman that hailed all the way back from like the early 1900s, and they were saying that prior to the OSS, then you know them becoming the CIA that they literally had almost an identical entire operation going in the Navy. And so the reason why they brought it outside of that was because of the funding and parameters of what they would be allowed to do if they got it out of being a military organization. And so that's they were part like, of it. Yeah, they were. Yeah. OK, I just wanted to make sure because I remember hearing that and thinking, wait, hold on a second. I haven't heard any of this shit before. I did, like I've always heard OSS during World War Two CIA thereafter. Right, so but they, they see, had a whole organization before that. Then, when you uh, when you talk to oh well, naval intelligence has been around since the beginning of the navy, right? But right. they had never been. See, I would say that they had never been as large scale as the CIA. But then, as you're going through some of this CIA stuff, uh, particularly in the 1950s and 60s, you'll find a lot of overlap, and that a lot of the guys who ended up in the CIA had been naval intelligence right so it is not like this mutual exclusive relationship and i think there is some or at least there was uh some heavy duty territorial like jurisdictional like mm. uh you know like kind of a battle between agencies which st definitely still goes on right. um but oswald so um one of my associates uh knows firsthand that oswald was naval intelligence uh, he identified who his handler was, his son, the whole nine yards. But he unfortunately won't come out with that information anytime soon. How did you find that guy? Was that with your cop skills or what? No, it's one of my good friends who was also oh. a Kennedy researcher. So, um, oh, okay, but gotcha. he knows he identified Oswald's handler because he knew Oswald's handler's son personally. That's and a that's huge how he... internal lead to be able right. to have. Holy shit. Uh. So, but that does not exclude Oswald from having been on loan to the CIA or put right. on missions. With, this is not mutual exclusive, right? So, one is military, one is technically private or governmental at that stage. So it's like if they need a if they need a particular uh, okay or the ability to do something, they might go to Navy intelligence because naval intelligence can operate on, in America. That's what I was going to say yeah. exactly. Whereas vice versa. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, they can all operate wherever the fuck they want. Well, they do, it, for sure. It drives me nuts when people are like, oh, the government can't do that because it's illegal. Yeah. <laughs> when the fuck has that stopped them from doing literally anything, yeah. anytime? So, so the CIA is not supposed to operate in America at all. But at the time of the assassination in 1963, there were half a dozen at least uh, CIA stations uh, operating in America under the JM Ocean program. JM Wave being the biggest out of Miami, run by Ted Shackley and David Morales and George Joannidis. Well, and those and are less known things. I mean, the whole MK Ultra thing on its own citizens. Like that was a 20 year at mm -hmm. least that yeah. we know of now. It's right. like th there's I I get I, I totally understand what Joe's saying. We're like now, especially as far as we come in this with the podcasting and people we've talked to, it's like when people say, Oh, the government can't. Well, hold on a second. Do you really think they can't or do they just tell you that they would never well, yeah, break <laughs> like, that down up. to a small scale with cops like, oh, cops can't do this because you're protected by these rights. Corey can tell you firsthand cops can do whatever the fuck they want. They can pull you over for goddamn anything, make it up, riff, do whatever they want. And there's not a goddamn thing you can do about it. Yeah, maybe later there'll be a court case. But... 
but they have the protection of the precinct behind them that's why they can do that it's the same as these letter organizations they have the protection of the elite behind them or whoever yeah yeah the cia um are untouchable uh because they don't work for america right so um but yeah so oswald um being impersonated by carrie thornley in new orleans and uh, Carrie Thornley ultimately comes to Dallas where he sets him up um, and he's connected to Marina. Right. So a lot of there's a lot of sightings of Oswald uh, with his wife, Marina, who spoke Russian uh, and had a child. Right. And then I say there's at least six or seven incidents in Dallas where Oswald is observed with this person, but he's driving a car. Um, in some of these incidents, he's seen shooting a rifle, not at the rifle range, but off of the highway near the Houston Street viaduct, shooting at bales of hay. And he's seen with a woman and a child when he's doing this. And so I got really like confused because I'm like, this isn't fucking Oswald. And William Seymour is off running with his mercenary guys, setting Oswald up at the actual rifle range and doing other things. And so I'm like, this has to be fucking Carrie Thornley. And so I was looking for uh, what I needed to do is find a single piece of the puzzle in order to legitimize my theory that Carrie Thornley was the one with Marina setting Oswald up when Oswald was off doing other things. Um, And so eventually I found the piece of the puzzle I'm looking for in New Orleans when Oswald was living on Magazine Street. The neighbor who lived next door was a Spanish woman. I don't recall her. She said that she was one of the two. And having that witness state that she saw him over there so often, she didn't know which one Marina was married to. That connected the dots for me that Marina and Carrie Thornley were working together to set up Oswald behind Oswald's back. Uh, and how can Oswald be getting set up if, you know, with by his wife who has his uh, a, a conspirator against him in his own home? Well, I believe that Oswald was on loan to the FBI also. Um, we know that he had the alias of Thomas Kane. Uh, and I believe that um especially during the time of the mexico city trip that he was out being flown around the country kept out of dallas kept out of new orleans um so the conspirators could lay the foundation for the assassination um why are you gonna let your fucking patsy just wander around a city or better yet how are you gonna set up a patsy in a in the book depository on november 22nd shuttle at least four guys into the fucking book depository to pull off the assassination from in there. And you're just going to let your Patsy wander around the building, which is what the official story says, because nobody can pinpoint where Oswald was at exactly 1230. And I'm telling you, it's because he wasn't in the fucking building at all. And when you go back through the witness, the witness statements turns out about a third of the people who worked in that building had never seen Oswald ever until he showed up on television. The people who identified a man in the building as Lee Harvey Oswald, I believe, was William Seymour. William Seymour uh, was a mercenary who was connected to all the uh, mercenary activities in Miami and uh, No Name Key, where they were. the CIA was training anti-Castro Cubans. Uh, he was 
a partner with a guy named Lawrence Howard, who was a dark skinned Mexican guy with uh, moles all over his face and heavily scarred pockmarked face. And so when you go back through the documents, you'll find that starting around January of 61 at the Bolton Ford, you'll find that uh, at a time when Oswald is in the Soviet Union, because he doesn't get back from the Soviet Union, he's there from 59 until June or July of uh, 62. But in January of 61, you've got Lee Harvey Oswald going to the Bolton Ford dealership trying to buy a bunch of trucks for Cuba to send to Cuba on behalf of an organization called the Friends of Democratic Cuba, which was an organization being run out of the 544 Camp Street address in New Orleans, which was run by a guy named Guy Bannister. Now, if you've ever seen the JFK film, there's a heavy emphasis on Guy Bannister in the in the first you know half hour. Um, and so basically the idea is that Guy Bannister was running a CIA kind of shop that David Ferry and all these Cubans were operating out of. And part of that operation was like stealing arms and shipping them to Cuba to have some sort of uprising. Right. So, um, when you go back through the lore, the official story lore, because this is how it goes, you have like the official story, then you have what I call the official conspiracy theory. Right. Like the official conspiracy theory is that the CIA killed Kennedy. Right. It's a nice, pretty theory, but it's totally incorrect. More of a broad stroke. Yeah. Yeah. It's a broad, too broad of a fucking stroke. Doesn't mean anything. Who the fuck does the CIA work for? And you tell me that and then you'll know who killed Kennedy. Right. So really quick, when you were talking about, you know, why would his own co-conspirators be setting him up without him knowing? I mean, he's technically an official asset working with multiple different organizations within the United States government and upper echelons of what I would assume was the right and smack dab in the middle of Cold War spycraft. It kind of sounds like this is almost like uh, one of those that movie shooter where they uh, yeah. have they have a mission for him to go do to save the president from a sniper. And so he goes to take the shot right next to the president thinking that he's the assassin and then they pin the assassination on him now obviously in that movie right. mark Wahlberg gets out and takes revenge but it almost sounds like that where he's he's technically legally hired by the same organizations that are setting him up so he thinks that he's doing his job and they're right. just like i ah, just say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill trust us like we have to set this up and this up and he has no idea that what they're doing is with his full knowledge almost setting him up to take the fall right no, well, that's there, the patsy so, thing yeah that's the, the patsy thing okay right and there are documents indicating that he potentially had a crypto clearance um i'm not exactly sure what that meant in 1963 that's what i was that means ask. he had three bitcoins <laughs> he had the original Bitcoin, um, but he had what was called crypto clearance. And uh, Jennifer Lake, who is like is an amazing researcher who does zero promotion and just has a blog. Um, Jennifer Lake's blog. I highly recommend everybody go spend like a year on it. Um, she did some research into Oswald and she determined that Oswald was part of our fucking nuclear program and like doing like uh, some sort of inspections at nuclear facilities. Um, Oswald's name is actually signed on the guest registry of the nuclear museum in like Virginia or something like that at a time when he's supposed to be in fucking Dallas. So I believe he was out 
doing other missions that had nothing to do with nothing. And like he comes back and he goes and he meets with his handler inside the Texas theater, which actually I'll explain that one. So, um, you know, you have the shooting of Officer J.D. Tippett and then allegedly Oswald Flees goes into the Texas theater and then he's arrested. Well, it was Carrie Thornley who shot J.D. Tippett. And uh, I have this big backstory on how that came about and, and then what Carrie Thornley did leading between the time that he shot Tippett and makes it to the Texas theater. Um, but um, I'm sorry, I totally lost my train of thought. What were we talking oh, about? Oh, I don't him know. Meeting I... with his, him meeting with his handler in Texas. Theater. Right. The pregnant the pregnant woman. Right. So he goes to the Texas theater. Uh, allegedly, J.D. Tippett is shot at 116 p.m., but that's obviously it's not Oswald. And he wasn't shot at 116 p.m. All witnesses on scene put it around 106 p.m. And that's a problem because Oswald entered the Texas theater between one o'clock and 107 as per Butch Burroughs, who was the manager of the theater. So um, the time. You know, he didn't shoot J.D. Tippett and then make it in one minute, four blocks away to go into the Texas theater. Right. So um, he was in the theater and he gets in there and he sits in front of a guy named Jack Davis, who's 18 years old. Now, you got to think it's a 900 seat theater. There's 22 people in the theater. He sits directly in front of this kid. And then a moment later, he gets up and he sits directly next to him. And he sits there for a minute and then he gets up and he does it again. He goes and he sits directly next to somebody sits there for a minute, and then gets up again. He does this three or four times when he enters the Texas theater. He eventually sits down next to a pregnant woman. He and the pregnant woman speak for a moment. The two of them then get up and they go back to the lobby. The pregnant woman leaves. Oswald then buys popcorn. Butch Burroughs sold him popcorn at 1.15 p.m. exactly. And uh Tippett was allegedly shot at 1 16 p.m right so the official story and butcher burrow selling him popcorn in the theater they don't jive right so he then at 1 15 goes back into the theater where he eats his popcorn and sits for 30 fucking minutes eating popcorn then the police come in and they raid the theater now allegedly oswald stopped in the shoe store at johnny brewer's next door And then he goes into the theater without buying a ticket, right? This is what uh, allegedly the situation at the Texas theater was. And so then allegedly they call the cops and the cops send 50 people and like a television crew um, to fucking the Texas theater to, to film the arrest of Oswald. The filming of the arrest of Oswald is available on fucking YouTube, believe it or not. Right. So um, it was was another, it was another stage. It was another staged event and a long line of staged events, just like the moon landing. Um, so, but yeah, so the story of the Texas theater is fascinating. Um, ultimately Carrie Thornley, who was the one who went in without buying a ticket, goes up to the balcony, hides there. Um, and he is arrested and pulled out of the back of the theater. We have Butch Burroughs, the theater manager, as well as the neighboring business, a guy named Bernard Hare, who ran Bernie's hobby house. He goes out back and he sees what he thought. He sees Lee Harvey Oswald later on television, but he's, he believes for like 25 years that he saw Oswald get pulled out of the back of the theater and arrested and driven away. Oswald was clearly arrested out of the front of the theater. So we have two witnesses who, who provided statements uh, to investigators that a second person was arrested in the Texas theater, an Oswald lookalike. Um, and that would be none other than Carrie Thornley. Um, so yeah, so the doubles are fascinating. And then you have Jack Ruby. Um, when you study Jack Ruby, you come to find, and it took me a while uh, to figure this out, but um, Jack Ruby, between uh, November 20th and November 24th, the day that he shoots Oswald, he is literally seen in two places at once 
50 times throughout the weekend. And uh, nobody ever put two and two together that um, Jack Ruby actually wasn't even in Dallas for most of the weekend. He dipped to Galveston. Uh, and most of the sightings in Dallas were actually of his brother, Samuel Ruby. Samuel Ruby looked almost identical to Jack Ruby. And uh, he was photographed at the police station and at the midnight press conference. And Jack Ruby um, and Samuel Ruby worked as a pair. Um, they were both involved in the setup of Oswald. Um, and this is where I usually lose people. But it's easily provable that he had a brother named Samuel who was only 10 months younger than him, meaning his mom got pregnant right after she fucking had Jack. Right. So Irish twins. Yeah, they were they very, were whores very... back then. Whores, I tell you, <laughs> they'd spit him out like nonstop because. I don't know. Maybe you lost one in three. Who knows back then? They didn't so. have iPhones back then. They were just banging and drinking Chardonnay or whatever they did. I don't know. God, I wish I could go back to such a simpler time. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would love the 30s. I would seriously. Right? If, I had, if I had some money, I would fucking love going back. To the See, 30s. I've always said I wanted to go back to the 70s. I'm pretty sure a previous life I lived in the 70s because that was like the pinnacle of simple times. Yeah. It was just I like live in the red light music, district in New York. Weed. And nobody, they just sat out by the moon tower and hung out from what I, I heard in songs. I just like the idea that it was a lot more common that if you decided to do something, then you were accepting the consequences. Like the old, uh, the old picture of the kid with his rolled up sleeves and his cigarette. And he's like two and he's got a beer in one hand. And uh, dad used to tell stories about when he was buying cigarettes for grandpa John it was out of the vending machine. And so he would go give him four quarters and he'd get two packs out of the vending machine, you know, from the druggist, which was a, <laughs> a, a non PhD pill provider who also sold booze. You know and what they call just... those now? Drug dealers. <laughs> yeah. And you could just, my dad was like, yeah, he's like, I, I remember being sent into a grocery store because my dad was too busy b drinking his beer in the truck and was like, Hey, go get me a couple packs of cigarettes. So he would go in throw some quarters into the machine and they'd be like, Hey kid, what are you doing? He's like, Oh, my dad's right there drinking beer in his truck. He wants cigarettes. And they'd be like, have a good one. <laughs> it was a different time, time back then. Oh, simple. I'd, I would love it. Now everything's just so convoluted and retarded. As a uh, chick, I couldn't go back farther than the seventies. I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because there, there were things about shaving back then that we can't move past voting <laughs> rights and just rights in general and where your place is in the house. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah women's rights. Too. Rule of Fun thumb. For me. In the oh wait, I could be like a whore in a brothel in the 30s. Like those are my options. Boner. I could be like a housewife or I could be a whore. <laughs> 70s was a cool time. Though. Yeah, it was great. It was great for dude white dudes, especially. Uh so we didn't uh I didn't plan on like going into JFK, but I love it when you lay it out because you know it so well. And if anybody's interested, definitely check out all the numerous interviews he's done about this because it goes into detail. Like he said, the, the quickest one was seven hours. So if you want a good, a good read, get his book. But I, so, I did want to get a sneak preview of what you were talking about before the show about something you were working on. Can you tell us anything about that? Um, well, I'm working on a new daily show with, um, this is probably not what you're talking about, but I'm going to tell you this anyway, because this is better. So, okay. Uh, I'm working on a new daily show with Johnny Vedmore and Lindsay Sharman. And we're going to be launching that Monday. Uh, yeah. That's like a couple of days from now, isn't it? Shit. Yes. Starting Monday. Days. So we're planning on that being pretty big. Um, other than that, um, it's just been the book. And that's what I've been working on. So, but I want to comment on something societally. A big shift is about to occur. 
something that the world has never seen. And this is a fuck. This is what I wanted to get into because you said state of the world, and I want your opinion on so, this stuff. Nothing. So go for it. This is this is not as this is not super deep on the level you're thinking. This is more entertainment wise, but it's a societal <laughs> shift nonetheless. So, um, right now we are about to see a major shift in entertainment financially from movies to fucking back straight to video games again. And I say this because Grand Theft Auto 6 just announced that their, I heard about that. their new budget is going to be between $1 and $2 billion. Holy shit. We've never had a fucking movie or any production no. that has cost that much ever. Um, and so that, to me, is the biggest statement on where the entertainment establishment is going to be funneling their money in the years to come, especially since movies are bad. And honestly, I think they're bad on purpose yeah. because this is all contributing to the destruction of our culture and our society, which is a planned um, operation, which is being executed on us as we speak, uh, which goes hand in hand with the destruction of our um, value system, um, i.e. Bud Light and fucking Target um, and all this tranny fucking bullshit that's been pushed on us faggots exactly so um this um is not uh when i started to see this i saw it's always been bubbling under the surface for years right but the ever since covid failed okay and this is what i think is happening really covid was a coup to take over the world uh Definitely totalitarian communism, all that shit. And it totally failed. It obviously failed. And so what are they doing now? They're drilling into us the social issues, mm -hmm. the social division. Right? right. And how do you undermine a fucking people by you promoting their identity? By, well, right. The identity issues and by the promotion of minorities. Um, and I don't say that because it's not good to promote minorities. It's fine to promote minorities. Sure. Everyone should have a fair shot at everything. But equity nah, nah, is totally bullshit. Is a totally fucking dead concept. It's fucking straight up communism. And um, this happened, like, it drives me nuts because I'm watching this unfold. And this is exactly what happened to Germany post-World War I. Right. Um, most people start the story of World War II with Adolf Hitler wanted to kill all the Jews. That's like the story of World War II. That's where it begins. That's like three quarters of the way through the story, honestly. Right. Um, the, that was the you, crescendo. That was, that the, was the crescendo. Yes. If you come to understand uh, what was going on in Germany post 1918, look into organizations like the Frankfurt Institute, um, look into people like uh, Leopold Greenberg, who ran one of the biggest Zionist newspapers in Britain uh, and how they were promoting uh, communist organizations. It was a partnership between the Zionists and the communists leading up to World War II. Um, that was completely intent on destroying the cultural fabric of Germany. And they were doing it by promoting things like at the time, interracial marriage, which is now is no big deal. But back then it was like end of the fucking world. Um, Isn't that weird that that was a big deal? Even Christians. I remember in the nineties, my, uh, yeah. our church group, interracial stuff was like taboo. I'm like, what are you talking about? They're people as far as i know they're still people like why does it right. matter if they're a different race that's so weird well here's the thing in germany like america's a melting pot right we're a bunch of mutts here in america right mm -hmm. but not oh, in yeah. germany in germany that's the fucking ottoman empire those motherfuckers have like you know thousand year old family family histories right like their their racial and ethnic pride was everything and that was being intentionally targeted by jews who were coming into the country 
and promoting this communism and all this gay shit. And there's a great speech by Hitler where he talks about how nobody goes to the theater anymore because the theater organizations were all taken over by fucking communists and they were promoting subversive ideologies in the theater. That checks out today. That's that's exactly what's going on today. And that's why the promotion of diversity, equity, and inclusion is not about diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's about undermining the culture of fucking white people in America and the greater West period. Well, that's what it's about. I heard, Um, I heard a great uh, like synopsis of what you're talking about is they were like, hold on a second. Do you realize that by saying diversity and inclusion, you are excluding the people that are outside of the inclusion and diversity so what you're doing is you're saying that you're promoting the idea of everybody being equal, but you're doing it in a way that only targets a certain group, which then excludes anybody outside of that group. And as soon thereby as you do creating that, more groups, non-inclusivity. Like, as, soon as, <laughs> as soon as you have that and somebody doesn't fit the group that is being supported, which, like you said, I don't have a problem with that. Everybody just do what the fuck they want. I don't care. But as soon as you start supporting one small thing, everybody wants to be a part of another small thing that they hope gets promoted. So now you have all of these different factions socially of all of these different minority groups that want their say and their comeuppance in the social ladder for the same reasons. It's like you're literally Jordan Peterson's like we are going right back to tribalism. Everybody wants to be a part of their tribe. Their tribe is right. And we should fight to keep our tribe alive and the best. But and and like, so the genius part of that, though, is that they're they're creating tribalism, but they're making the one tribe seem like they're the tolerant tribe against the intolerant tribe. It's still creating a right, tribal exactly. atmosphere. They're just they're like, you're this is the right tribe. It's the same thing uh, what they call Nazis did. They're like, no, the the whites are the are the good tribe. That's the bad tribe. They're doing the same thing now, but they're just kind of. Uh, doing it backwards or in a different but, way. It's but genius. What's the reason for these tribes being better. That's my problem. I would rather have a tribe of people Social division. who great instead of a people who are the Aryan race. Like, what's so great about being blonde haired, blue eyed? Is it genetics? Like, is that well, what I mean? Their they're hotter. The goal was well. Here's the thing: you have to understand that the entire creation of Hitler in the first place and the entire Aryan thing was a direct response to the overt Jewish supremacy that was being pushed by the Zionists period another um, tribalism yeah. another tribalism like uh like the worst honestly the worst fucking supremacists on the planet are zionist jewish supremacists period i mean they are the scum of the fucking earth they make fucking people like hitler when you come to understand that hitler and the rise of nazism was completely reactionary to the, to the to the to what was going on in german culture at the time uh to this intentional undermining it's like it changes the game when you come right, to realize, I get that, that's, but that's, that's such a childish response, oh, in my opinion. Thank you. That's because Jen, these that's aren't exactly adults fucking say. handling this. I well, mean, not it's when adults, you have a culture that you're looking of. to preserve, but you have a, a minority under three percent intentionally trying to destroy that culture which, that is enjoyed by the ninety-seven percent. Which I just um, say honestly I, that you could honestly speak that. Go ahead, Ben. Sorry. And, no, no, you're fine. I was going to say which I get that, but they're literally. I get what you're saying. The three percent by trying to preserve what, or at least promoting that they're trying to preserve their nationality is then encroaching on somebody who is also doing the same thing. Boom. You have a massive war. They come in and they're like, no, you guys need to observe us. We, cause we need to preserve our shit. And it's like, well, hold on a second. 97% of us are preserving our shit. So you can right. go preserve your shit, but go do it somewhere else. And that's really the problem. And that has been the problem uh, throughout society 
uh, and the reason that Jews have been really expelled from over 100 different countries is because of a failure to assimilate into that culture. That's ultimately what it comes down to, uh, an attempt to, uh, and not only a, a failure to assimilate, but the active engagement of the promotion of cultural things that are completely abhorrent to the host culture. Right. And a lot of those things that are abhorrent are Talmudic things. Yeah, correct? 100%. This okay. age, this, all this transgender shit is being pushed because it comes from the Talmud. There's eight fucking genders in the Talmud. Okay. Right. And here, here's and the so, other genius thing what about this. Oh, sorry. I don't mean to cut you up, but I would love to know what these genders are. Oh, just hang on. So this is the other, what I was going to say earlier, the genius thing about this whole psychological operation is that they're they're making it seem like people that that point these things out are white nationalist nazis yes. and so therefore the, the things we're saying now could be construed as you're racist you're anti-semitic you're blah 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 no we're pointing at just he's Corey's pointing out facts that he's gleaned from thousands of hours of research go look it up yourself but they won't they'll just listen to the media say Oh no! If he, if anybody says that they're anti-Semitic white nationalist Nazis, and everybody just goes blink and tunes out, and they yep. go on with well, their no, Starbucks they don't fucking drinking get day. Labeled as that, like the second that you start throwing that out there, it's kind of like the whole silence thing. Everybody's going to distance themselves from what the tragic and abhorred narrative is. So, like now, the idea is they're trying to force everybody to take a side by saying that if you don't you're taking the wrong side. Silence so now, is violence. Right. right. Silence is violence. It's the idea that if you don't say what they want you to say, it means that even though you're not saying anything, you must be a part of the other side and that side is bad. Right. It's and that's why you got to stop caring what people you think. like it or not. Right. Right. People, need to have, people need to have confidence, objectivity, and values. Those that's three why things. The people that are liked the most now are the people that speak, but they speak in a way that goes, I'm not picking a fucking side. I don't give a shit. Let them fight it out. People love those people because they're not staying silent, but they're not falling into one of the traps of the sides. They're just going, this is all stupid. I'm not picking a side about humans versus humans. Have right. we not learned from history that that doesn't go well? And then and, and course, uh, yeah. shout out Charlie Robinson. He said one of my favorite things. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but he's like, oh, when people are like, oh, you're a Nazi. He's like, sure, whatever. I don't even care anymore. Call me whatever you want. I'm a Nazi. I'm a white supremacist. Whoa, boogity boogity. I don't care. <laughs> I, I wear button-ups and wear glasses. Like, and I'm a, a bald yourself. head. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> um, what you were saying though, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you can hate me for this, Corey, if you want, but I'm gonna caveat it to the listeners. Um, Corey's not saying that Nazism was good or how it was carried out was good. Like, that's you're you have to look at the bigger point and what he's saying the underlining point of why it came about because like you said everybody starts world war ii at the majority of the time when the americans got involved and at that level we were it was already 30 years into the making of what was going on and how it was carried out also there was a lot of drugs involved um but how it was carried out was a very tragic and abhorrent reaction to something that could have been handled much differently, but still not a great thing that was trying to be done. So it's like World War II is one of those perfectly 40 year long saga tragic stories of exactly what happens. And going back to the broader point that you brought up, we're watching this happen again. To go back to the video games, I 100%, oh, I'm fucking fading here with the lighting. Um, it's going it's going directly into getting you away from reality. And when you step into reality, you don't know 
what side to pick, which breaks down morals for reality. Pretty soon, a $2 billion game, which is going to be a massive RPG style MMO, you're going to interact with other humans. It's like Ready Player One and a bunch of these other series with the VR, the AI, the fact that now these games, you can literally create a completely different identity with zero consequences except what's in the game. You will live in a game that has completely different rules <coughs> than what society has. That's how they break down the society and the morals and all of the things that we typically would stand on is that they're getting you out of a short one and a half to two and a half hour screen time that you know isn't real superheroes or whatever have you. And it's like you said, usually shitty in and of itself. And they're going to put you into a game that is so much more realistic and you have the freedom to do all of the things and act all the ways that you didn't get to do in the real life. That's going to absorb you out of reality. As soon as that happens and you're plugged in and you buy into it, they have 100% control over your actual life. Like no, it's, So it's that's what I was going to well. go, not to cut you off, but and, and Corey, I want you to comment on this, but um, it's gone farther than that where it's it's already to that point where the youth of today, and that makes me sound old, fuck off, but the youth of today are already playing out what they see in video games and movies like it's a video game or a movie they're they're acting in real life as they would in a game or what they've seen on tv shows it's fucking terrifying because they, they don't see the consequences of what they're doing in real life because they're like oh people act like this all the time i've seen it on tv and i played it on video games whatever people act like this no big deal and so i don't think they need to erode morals or anything by putting you in a vr state they're eroding morals in the real world and how people act day to day. People don't know how to act with each other anymore. It's, it's uh, That's more terrifying to me than a VR world because I can opt out of that. Can't really opt out of real life that easily. Well, they had to erode this world so that it would be easier to exactly. get us into the VR world. So it will be a more of a lateral move. It won't be something that's very drastic. We can be and, like, oh, I already do this in real life. I'll just make it bigger and better in this VR world. Well, I think well, the most right. insidious thing of what we're seeing in society now is that they're targeting kids. That's what exactly where yeah, I was going to go is exactly. think, we're thinking of it from a different generation where that didn't exist. We already had hard lines that were kind of integrated in us watching this progression. These kids are getting born into this. It's like the whole, you know, Bane quote, you embrace the darkness. I was born into it. It's like these kids don't know a different reality. Their reality is a subversive reality. So to them, it's an easy choice when things don't go their way, like kids do, to not accept the consequences and reality of what's actually happening. They can just go get the fuck lost and do whatever the hell they want. And it's almost just as real, if not way better than what they're currently experiencing. Instead of understanding the other side of that is how you get to be appreciative of these little things like video games and movies and things that we have. They just don't they're they're on a different level because of the time frame in which they're born, which is absolutely terrifying as a parent to watch this kind of be a thing that's going on. It's like. Just hold on tight to your kids and don't fucking don't. Let yeah, meanwhile, they're being by. judged by every single person <clears throat> around them because every aspect of their lives is on social media. So yeah. they're being told how Willing fat and too. ugly and stupid or gorgeous and amazing and beautiful right. they are all at the same time. And their emotions just cycle. It's insane. Right. Think about how you were as a teenager with no, with with like none of this and right. think about how difficult it was. And now maximize that times a thousand or a million. It's like but it wasn't that's that difficult, the pressure though. they're feeling. 
we felt Joe and I were just listening to good Charlotte. We were on the patio hey. singing karaoke drunk being stupid. And all of the good Charlotte songs back from the nineties yeah. are like, I don't like your rules. Fuck you. I'm going <laughs> to go do something different. That's the message that they're putting out. And that was our mentality. We were like, right. I don't like this. I'm going to leave and make a change. I'm going to do something <laughs> different. And now kids are like, oh, I don't like what you're doing. I'm going to kill myself about it. Or I'm going to cry <laughs> in a corner and I'm going to post it on social media. And if I don't get enough likes, I'm going to kill myself about it. And it's just all about, I just can't even be here anymore. And we as kids, we would get shit on all the time and be like, fuck you. I'm going to rise up. Like we were constantly being pushed to rise up with all the negativity I mean, it's like the, you know, whatever hard men make good times and good men make weak times, whatever that whole thing goes. But we're living in that world right now where like the weakest people are about to be taking yeah. care of us when we're old. Yeah, like I, I 100 percent agree. And I was I, I thought about this because those time frames are, are typically within each one of them is typically about a century to 75 years. So you end up having from the 30s to the 2000s starting around the great depression ish you have very hard times creating very strong people those people are then what made really good times but then those good times are now what we're moving into we're moving into the good times making the weak people and we're about to see those weak people create the very hard times again yeah, see i i would say that the the good times uh were like you know the last 50 years or so I mean, relatively speaking, of course, but they they certainly made some of the most weak people, my generation included. Absolutely. I'm very unfortunately considered a millennial and I do not I don't identify with that. So, I don't ascribe to that. Yeah, you can fuck <laughs> off on that. But uh, the the generation after millennials is actually way worse. The no, Gen that's, Zers, that's exactly they're what terrible. I'm saying is we were a part of the good times. I would agree with you on your time frame there. My my thing is, is that the whole cycle typically lasts around 100 years. And you can look at this throughout history, the rise and fall of different things. It happens quick. But if you watch the lead up to it, you start to see the longer, bigger picture of how it got there. It's like we were a part of the good times, but we are now seeing the start, not of the bad times. The bad times are some ways off. It's like we're seeing the start of those good times that we were in making weak people. And then those weak people after that are going to create the hard times. And it might fall the fuck off of a cliff if they can pull the trigger on it faster than what we're seeing. Yeah. And we, well, I mean, Corey's fucking yawning over there. Uh, do, I'm sorry. We've been yapping forever. Like, what do you think? What do you think about the current situation, the state of the world and all that stuff? Oh, yeah, we're doomed. You're, you're a little older, Meteor. not by much, but you're a little older than me, at least. I'm 64. Uh, no, you're not. <laughs> fucking liar and and without being too pessimistic because charlie does that very well on his own what do you think (laughs) what do you what do you think about like the rest of your lifetime specifically like fuck you know certain dates like what do you what do you think by the time you're on your deathbed which could be two years i don't know but what do you think uh you're gonna see as far as crazy shit because you said we're at a turning point with the video game thing and all that shit where do you think that leads? Does it lead to a Ready Player One future where no. people are just... No, what I'm more concerned about are these goddamn communists pushing their bullshit. Um, but honestly, I've never seen... As someone who... I, I consider myself to be an, an historian, and I'm very, very well educated on 20th century America. 
And I am shocked at the level of people who genuinely know what's going on and who's behind it. It's unbelievable. Um, I've had private conversations with, with normies out in the real world recently that have just shocked me, you know, um, people know what's in a going good on way? in a good way. Yeah. Oh, so people know what the fuck's going on. Um, and which is shocking to me. That, do you think a big part of that was the failure of the pandemic? Fuck yes. Fuck yes. Cause the pandemic was such bullshit. I can't believe they even attempted it. Like, yeah, go back. Doesn't and that give you hope premature. from humanity? Doesn't that give you hope for humanity though? I have a lot of hope for humanity with the failure of COVID and then the rollout of all these ridiculous things. It seems but unless people go to jail point. or have their heads cut off or are hung in the public square, like nothing is going to continue. Like I, I hate to say it, but like, unless we have a river of fucking blood, like there's not going to be change period. Yeah. And that's there every revolution. We need, I mean, we need um, vengeance on these people who did this to us. Uh, we need to go into the fine details, get the figure out who did what, who pushed the propaganda then round them all up and, and and try them as traitors. That's exactly what but needs that, to happen. That's a weird precedent. I don't know. I don't know if Never that's gonna necessarily happen because the right response. Is corrupt. I don't know if it's a okay. weird precedent. It's kind of a historical precedent. Look at the French Revolution. And that's exactly what they did. Now, though. Like, look at where we are right I now. Know, I, it, we history repeats. Different. Yeah. Though. We could make well, it different. I think it's I think it's like waves. Like you, you see a larger up and down and every single time that it reaches a new height, you also see a new low at some point after that. And then it goes back up a little bit higher and then it goes down a little farther. I, I 100% understand where Corey's from, coming from, but I also get what you're saying, Jen, because I think that there's a possibility of doing it without bloodshed and without this in, insane idea of, Massive revolutions, basically world worldwide throwing over the elites or whatever you want to call them, the, the hand that's unseen. But I also think just based on where we're at and historically, I don't see that being how it plays out. I who right. Was it that, who was it that said uh, there's a certain kind of peace only to be found on the other side of war? It's one of those things where I don't I don't think that we couldn't see peace without it. But I don't see it going that way, unfortunately. The, the best way I've we're heard just it destined to repeat the same mistakes. Right. Then. So the best way I've seen yeah. it described, especially in the last couple of years with people kind of like opening their eyes to this stupid shit that's going on, is the the main thing is do not comply. I don't know how far that'll take you, but if you if literally everybody just didn't comply with all these stupid things it would go away because it's the ant and the grasshopper thing. The grasshoppers right. can't control that many ants that are just like, fuck you. I'm not wearing a mask. I'm not doing this. I'm going to go to the store and do my shit. If everybody did that, it would be totally different. And if they did that on every level of every law, stop paying taxes. Hello? I think that's the big thing is the taxes is the big thing. Like nobody should be paying your fucking taxes. Um, right. Most and people don't have a do choice. That. Most people just have the money come out of their checks automatically. They don't have any choice in the matter. But for those of us out there who work in independent media or don't have to punch a clock every fucking day, like there shouldn't be 10 cents going out of your fucking pocket to the government period. I haven't paid taxes since like 20, since I had a job last, which was like 2016. You I'll never pay that them. out. Like, no, they can put me on fucking trial. Do you get because... letters from the IRS ever? Do I they even shit. notice? No, oh, because I don't yeah. file. No, awesome. I don't file. I don't nothing. They only come after oh. you if you file and lie. If you don't file, they don't fucking come after you. So hmm. maybe eventually they can try. But um, 
you know, I'm not worried. They, they have to put at this point, they would have to put me on trial. Like any debt over a certain dollar amount requires a, a trial. I so, worry about you, though, not because of you not paying your debt, but because of what you're doing for the people that are looking for what is real. Because I see that being it could be pennies to them, but I do see them using that avenue, no, you know, <clears throat> jinx uh, as their way to go after somebody who is shining a big old fucking flashlight sure. and shit they don't then want. Then I can go into any trial they put me on and say <laughs> to the jury, I'm only here because I solved the Kennedy assassination and I'm being targeted. <laughs> That'll be the news headline. They're like, and we got and a he guy claims, saying this. He claims mental insanity as his defense. Okay. <laughs> That's what would happen. You know, that's what the fuck would happen. Uh, There'd be a mistrial. They'd be like, you can't say that. There's so many ways to to get a mistrial and to get shit thrown out. It's unreal. The things we don't learn, because obviously, if we did, none of this would work. And uh, Andrew Benjamin, shout out his ass. Uh, We had him on. He's a great legalese. Uh, dude that talks about how you get out of this stuff it's not as hard as you think you do have to know what you're doing don't just go in there and be like fuck you that's not gonna work <laughs> but there i mean you could i send think that's the, the video most fun. that'd be the most yeah, fun send me absolutely. the video if you do like, that eat but... a dick and yeah, i'm doing 25 years so you have to lead with <laughs> eat a dick and then be super knowledgeable behind that for every other thing you say yeah, well, this, is what I, this is what i want to know if the government came to came to you and said you haven't paid taxes in 10 years we want money and you just said go fuck yourself i'm never paying you what could the possible consequences be? They can't lock you up for the rest of your life. What are they going to do? I mean, what can they possibly they they can put liens on your shit? But in the, in the we don't own anything and we're going to be happy world. How are they going to do that? Uh, they already have liens on our shit. We already we already have to pay property taxes. Pretty much. Everything's on loan. Yeah, like I have man, and that's another thing. Like looking at, and I I, I want to talk to you, Jen, about because uh, you're in the mortgage business, aren't you? Yeah. So there's some uh, yeah, like um. Well, hold on. Before you guys well, go into that, I got to pee and I got to go. So, all right. <laughs> okay, you pee guys and go. Love those go two things. Thanks all for right. letting us know you had to Corey. pee, but love bye. talking to you. I'll see you guys soon. See you. Have a good go and a piss. Thank you. All right, bye. Uh, but it looks like uh, mortgaging a house is like never a good deal, like under any circumstances, uh, no matter what terms you get. Uh, because no, it's a scam. Just, it's a fucking rental that you, if you don't, you know, you fuck up anything, you pay it off and you don't pay the property tax, they take it from you, right? So really, it's just a long-term rental that you can make modifications to. So And you can get um, money out of it. So yeah, I agree with you and I'm in the mortgage industry. It's very weird, but I get what you're saying. So what they do is they, they'll, the interest rates go up for various reasons that are boring and I'm not going to go into but then uh, what the companies will say is you can refinance in a couple of years when right. rates go down. So they get you. But if you've paid in, just say rates don't go down for like 15 years and you have a 30 year mortgage, you probably have, depending on when you bought your home, possibly $150,000 of equity in that home and depending on where housing prices are. So that's very, very tempting to people, especially with the way that social media or just the media in general pushes. You need to keep up with the Joneses and have all of this stuff. You can so, cash out your house and get 80% of your home's value and come out with a hundred grand in your pocket, but you have to pay that mortgage for 30 more years. So tell me, how do you feel about this rule where like broke people with bad credit get like a discount and like people with money and good credit have to like pay extra fees? What tell me well, all about this? That went, that did not go through. Oh, it I didn't. Saw, it failed. It didn't. I saw that. Come that was up, the dumbest but... thing I've ever seen. That was like straight fucking communism out of the book. That was okay, like right so, out of the textbook. But that's no. how more. That's how. Oh, go ahead. 
No, I was going to say not to play devil's advocate on that, but what I always wondered is why people with poor credit have to pay more for their loan. It's it's charging people that have less money more right. for the loan than somebody who has more money who would be more likely to pay that loan than people with less money to pay a higher see, loan. And no, see what I'm interested in is what I'm interested in is if Biden pulls some bullshit shenanigans and people with like shit credit can get a fucking house me and you might have a conversation. <laughs> so I might try to take advantage of some of Biden's people bad decisions. With shit, people with shit credit can buy a house right now. You could talk to me right now about that. Mm. Um, actually, there are a lot of the government-backed programs offer high debt-to-income and low-credit loans. It, just FHA, USDA, VA. Like, are you a veteran? No. All right. Well, Can I lie? FHA, no, you can't. <laughs> but... FHA, you could get. So typically the rates are a little bit cheaper, but you have to pay mortgage insurance. So monthly it, you'll be paying more, but you can get a home loan. Housing prices aren't awesome right now. I'm the worst loan officer. I tell people all the time. I'm like, you can buy a house right now. You totally can. But prices are really high and the rates are high too. Like it's not the best time. If if you have to absolutely do it, you can refinance. And any loan officer listening probably hates what I'm saying right well, now. I just so mean, I'm not I, I saying it in a salesy advantage. way. I think I might take advantage of like the financial turmoil that's going on because if the country ever gets its shit together, I won't be able to do that. You know what I mean? So, so you could at least have some equity and cash out and then be like, all right, I have all this cash in my pocket. I'm never paying my mortgage again. Like you could do that too, if you right, wanted to, right. I'm not offering illegal crappy <laughs> advice people. I do have a license that I have to uphold. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Financial advice, no, but I'm I used to work around. I'm just saying people can do whatever they want. Technically. Yeah, they, they can. I used to be a process server and we evicted people out of their houses, basically at gunpoint. And um, there are ways to work the system where you cannot pay pay your mortgage for years and stay in that house because it's just stuck in the court system. Well, you, if you also, know what you're doing, it's possible. There's a lot of options too that services servicers don't want you to not pay your mortgage. They want you to get on your feet and they'll offer a lot of options for you. So we switched banks at my company and that's kind of a big deal because they couldn't onboard us for 30 days. So I didn't get a paycheck for like a month. And I had to cash out all of the assets we had just to pay our mortgage eventually. And I called and they were like, hey, is I was like, can I put my loan into forbearance? I've never paid late. I have nothing late on my whole credit. I have good credit. Like we've, we've been great customers. And they're like, sure, is it related to COVID? And I said, no. And they're like, well, are you sure? And then I thought about it and I was like, <laughs> well, the mortgage industry crashed hundred percent because of COVID and I work in the mortgage industry and the bank that I worked for went out of business and let us all go. This is all in my head. So eventually I was like, yeah, you know what it is due to COVID. You're right. It's very indirect, but it's a hundred percent due to COVID. Guess what? They asked me zero other questions after that and said, cool, your loan's in forbearance for 90 days. You don't have to pay for 90 days. No questions asked. And we onboarded with the bank and I was able to pay all of it back in like a month. I wasn't even, we weren't late on any payments, but still zero questions asked. They no, make it, it very easy. What, what I was pay. talking about is people that I we were trying to evict that we would go out there to evict them and they didn't, they hadn't paid for like a year and a half. At that point, that's when we got called in to literally remove them out of their house. And they, they found technicalities in the law and stayed there for another fucking year these people knew what they were doing they stayed in that house for about two years 
mortgage-free while they saved every penny they had to skedaddle the fuck out wherever they wanted to go. Like It's like a savings account. You're like, yeah, I'm going to live here, fuck this place for a couple years. So the credit system in general, you can get a house and just default. Also, you can get a credit card, rack it up, and never pay the bill. You can do all of those things, but the social credit or credit system makes it very difficult to do other things if an emergency occurs. Yeah, it's more so societal no car. Right. You can't go get a car because you fucked up your credit when you were 18. I'm not talking about myself or anything, but I well, and all of these problems happened to me because when I got a credit card at 18, or I think I got two just because I was a college student, I I spent all of the money on the credit cards and was like, well, I don't have a job, so I don't know what the fuck those assholes were thinking. And I never paid it. And I had bad credit for 10 years and I filed a chapter 13 bankruptcy, paid it all off. And I still had bad credit. Other people, it's a fucking scam. Chapter seven wipes it away and they have good credit in two years. It's wild. She's not talking about me. Yeah, yeah, that, that happened. But you have to understand that you can do all of these things. It's fine. But just don't expect to need something in the future. It's like shitting on your roommate. If you go to your roommate and you break everything in the house and you eat all their food and you say, fuck you, and you still live there, but then you can't pay rent the next month, don't expect that person to not kick you out. <laughs> That's it. It's just, but if you don't need that person, if you have somewhere else to go, you can say, yeah, I did all this right. shit. So fuck what you. I was talking about with the do not comply thing is that if we did that on a mass scale, I don't even think it needs to be a hundred percent, maybe 40% of people just said, no, we're not playing this game anymore. We're not paying taxes. We're not doing the stupid. We're not paying our car registration. We're not doing this stupid shit anymore. It would crash so fast because people wouldn't get paid in the government because people weren't paying their registration and people aren't paying their taxes and all this stuff. If you had a certain critical mass of people that just said, we're not doing this anymore. We're not playing this game. Go fuck yourself. If there was enough of those people, the whole thing would just fucking you have to, to think about those people, too, who work for the government, the good ones, the people who are just innocent, who like work for the DMV. Just say, yeah, you'd have to offer them something like, hey, I have a commune on 100 acres. I'm going to crash this shit. Do you want to come with me? Get some people on board, too. Yeah. Sorry, Corey. We've been talking for a bit. We can wrap fine. up now, too. I know. I know you got sleepy eyes. I'm tired. It's either Not sleepy eyes or sexy eyes. I don't know. <laughs> no, I appreciate you guys having me on. Of course. Uh, plug anything else you want to before we get out of here, and I will put your links in the notes. Uh, no, just go buy my book, buymeacoffee.com slash jfkbook. Um, the big thing is you get my notes with it when you do the pre-order. Uh, the day that book goes for sale, those notes are going to be like 50 fucking dollars. So uh, get it while they're cheap. Good. Yeah. And uh, also, did I get this right? CoreyHughes.org, right? Right. Right. Correct. Right. You got the org because you're a fucking professional. You got it. I love it. All right, everybody. Thanks, Thanks. for listening. Oh, we will catch you tomorrow, actually. Uh, Corey's counterpart, Chris, is going to come on. We had to reschedule him, but he'll be on talking to us tomorrow about fucking whatever. Probably his documentary, but love you all. We'll see you later.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.